Hello and welcome back to Scarlet Fever, the Daily Braskins sports podcast. I'll be your host this year. My name is Joseph Meyer. And I'm Gavin Struve. We are the sports editors this year and we are excited to uh, take over this feed and run the gamut of Husker sports this year. Um, So yeah, we'll start off. We'll be bringing on some guests throughout this year, but we're starting off with the hot hot button topic that is Nebraska football. Yes, sir. So it's been first, quite the year. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty eventful year. We'll recap. Um, we're going to talk about the biggest surprises and changes uh, a third of the way through the year. But first, we're going to get into Joseph's Big Ten Power Rankings. Big Ten Power Rankings. These rankings come out every Tuesday, um, or sorry, every Wednesday on the site. Uh, Tuesday at midnight, Wednesday morning. Um, and, you know, it's my personal opinion. Uh, kind of go through. I don't really love the AP rankings because I think they're based too much of off what happened preseason, right? I like to look at what we've had so far based off their entire body of work. So for instance, I have Minnesota ahead of Michigan State. Go check it out. Um, or, or, sorry, Minnesota ahead of Penn State and Michigan State because I like Minnesota's body of work so far more than those other teams. Um, what do you like from the Big Ten so far this year? Uh, I think it'd be easier to answer what I don't like, which is the Big Ten West as a whole has been pretty darn shaky. Um, But I think think what I like best about this power ranking um, and what I think I agree with most is I'm pretty high in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been high on them since the start of the season. Um, I'm voting in a student media poll, so... I can kind of discuss some similarities through the first like five teams of these rankings of where I ranked them. But yeah, I started off with Minnesota ranked preseason 25th and mm. moved them up a few spots. So I liked that you had them three here. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got Ohio State and Michigan one, two. And, you know, there's not much room for debate there, in my opinion. But once you get to that three spot, there's kind of a lot of, you know, moving pieces. Penn State is the third highest ranked team in the AP poll at the moment. But I like Minnesota. I love what they've been able to do this year on the ground. Um, Their defense has just really stifled all their opponents. They haven't messed around with these lower-level opponents that they've played so far. Um, Just this week, they crushed Pac-12 team Colorado 49-7. I mean, it really isn't close. Um, They did lose Chris Oppenbell. So we talk about Tanner Morgan kind of up in the air of what he really has been. There was that electric year back in 2019. Um, but since he's kind of been a media, mediocre quarterback, how do you think the loss of Chris Ottenville is going to affect this uh, Golden Gophers team moving forward? Yeah, to be honest, like he's part of their core four, as they dub it, mm-hmm. and it's he's far and away their top receiver, probably top draft prospect among their pass catchers. But I don't think it's that huge of a loss okay. for them. Um they have Brevin Span Ford, one of the best tight ends in the Big Ten. Uh, and then the guy who I really see taking over the mantle of Chris Wattman Bell, um, and it's important to remember this is a run inclined team first. Right. Not as big of a deal as if, I don't know, if Maryland lost his top receiver. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I think Dylan Wright, this is a former four star, top 100 dude, uh, transferred AM. He had 300 and. Uh, 60 receiving yards last year. I think he could definitely step into that step, come close to stepping into that role, or at least um, become a more formidable number two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, it's a run, very much run first team. That's kind of the culture that PJ Fleck has put in there. Not only are they great running the ball offensively, they're also great running the ball defensively. Um, just really not allowing any rushing yards and kind of crushing every opponent that comes in um, to Minnesota. It's not going to line up too well 
uh, for the Huskers. Once they come to Lincoln, I believe in October, that's going to be um, as a Nebraska team that's been able to not stop the run at all. Minnesota probably will not have any issues there. Do you have a biggest issue with these Big Ten power rankings that I've put out? No, there's nothing. There's nothing that really um, stands out to me. Um, I think. I think the biggest places where I would have diverged from what you did is um, I dropped Michigan State out of the top 25, but I think I still would have had them fifth over Wisconsin and Maryland. Mm-hmm. But I can definitely see the argument there. Um, that'll be really interesting this weekend seeing yeah. Minnesota. Um, head to East Lansing where they're actually favorites, which is very interesting. Um, Both teams are right outside the AP top 25. And then I think the other place um, where you might see the most pushback, I don't even know if I feel like I would have gone a different direction, is you have Illinois, sorry, you have Iowa at number 11. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about decision-making there. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been very vocal about how I just don't find anything intriguing about, you know, the Iowa team this year. Um, Obviously they have that defense and they have the special teams, but last year that carried them. Um, The offense was better, somehow better last year than it was, than it has been so far this year. Um, They just had their first multi-touchdown game in week three. I mean, that's just not what you want to see. Spencer Petras is honestly just not the guy um, at quarterback. And, and when you look at what they did in the first week, beating an FCS team seven to three without scoring a touchdown, I mean, any other Big Ten team had only put up seven points and without scoring a touchdown, I mean, we would have put them at the bottom of our ranks against um, Big Ten opponent. Lost to Iowa State, who is a solid team, but again, zero offensive production except for one touchdown that came thanks to a blocked punt. And then they finally got their first convincing victory this week over Nevada. So I am not ready to put Iowa any higher than 11 because I kind of have to because they're two and one. Um, but I think moving forward, if they can continue to kind of use that defense and special teams to embarrass, you know, their opponents in weird ways, it may work. But as of now, I just don't see that offense going anywhere against these big 10 defenses. Yeah. It's been a weird kind of sicko year for Iowa thus mm-hmm. far. Um, culminating with that, uh, what seven hour game last Crazy. week due yep. to the three hours and 56 minutes rain delay. delay yeah um yeah so i guess my next question for you is um who is your who is your pick to win the big 10 west mm. and how many teams do you think have a realistic chance to do so coming into the year it was wisconsin um i love braylon allen um still not a huge Graham Mertz guy um but i just thought their defense in the run game would be be enough to carry them there but so far minnesota has looked like the better defense and the better run game um obviously they haven't played a stronger power five opponent they play colorado but colorado's going to be one of the worst teams in the power five this year so i'm going to say minnesota as of now um i think wisconsin has a chance to um kind of compete with them there those two teams have always kind of gone back and forth i know you really liked purdue coming into the year so far, it hasn't really worked out. I mean, they could have easily been 3-0. We saw them lose in you know last-second fashion to Penn State, lose in heartbreaking, crazy fashion to Syracuse this last weekend. I like Purdue, but I don't think um, you know they already got one Big Ten loss. I don't think they're going to be able to compete with uh, Wisconsin and Mich- uh, Minnesota. So I have Minnesota and Wisconsin, really the only two, in my opinion, that can compete for that Big Ten uh, 
championship appearance. Okay, so just two teams at this point. Yeah, um, I just think so far what we've seen out of this division, you know, maybe they'll be able to rack up some wins against, you know, each other because it's so far not looking great. Um, but I think the the more intriguing thing is just the comparison between these divisions so far of the Big Ten East having one loss and the Big Ten West, the bottom four teams, kind of looking just not up to par, not up to, you know, what we've seen, you know. Usually it's it's Maryland and Rutgers and Indiana that are at the bottom of the conference. But this year, you know, we're looking at a lot of Big Ten, you know, Big Ten West teams. Yeah, so probably Nebraska Northwestern this year. Yep. Um, which, you know, interesting for the conference. There's a lot of talk about getting rid of these divisions. So I think that is going to be very helpful come here soon if, if the uh, Big Ten East continues to pull away. Um, who, do, who do you think is up there? For the Big Ten East or Big Ten West. Um, all right, so I'm gonna be a little weird here. Okay. So hear me out. Okay. I'm gonna start off by saying I think I'm pretty I'm pretty confident that it's gonna be Minnesota. Um, okay. I wouldn't put any money on it, but it definitely looks like them right now. Going into the year, I had Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa all ranked in the 20 to 25 range, and I think I had Iowa the highest, mm. the defending Big Ten West champions. That feels like so long ago. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say now still that five teams could win the Big Ten West. Wow. And the team at the top of the Big Ten West standings, 1-0 Northwestern, is not one of those teams. Yes. Um, I think that's pretty clear after what we've seen the last two weeks with against Duke and what was it, Eastern Illinois, Southern Illinois? Southern I'm Illinois, not sure. yeah. Which, not, not ideal. No. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go Minnesota, obviously. I think Wisconsin's still got a pretty good chance. Mm-hmm. Um I, they've got a pretty high floor of should be at least eight and four. You right. think it's a somewhat disappointing year. Um, and then I'm still I'm still kind of in on Purdue. Uh, okay. Obviously, they're kind of starting behind the eight ball with that loss to Penn State. Uh, Penn State looks like a better team than I expected. I don't know about you. Definitely. Um, we can talk about that in a bit, yeah. Fortunately for them, Syracuse, that's, a, that's not, a not a conference loss. loss. Syracuse also looks pretty competent. And then... I'm going to throw in, I just, I probably should, but I'm not going to completely <laughs> rule out Iowa just yet. All right. Um, the two and one, they lost to a solid Iowa State team, albeit at home. If they can figure out any semblance of offense to pair with that yeah. incredible defense, they can definitely win six Big Ten games. If, if they can block two punts a game like they did against Iowa State, they can win some Big Ten games. I yeah. just think relying on blocking punts to win games is just, kind of crazy i mean but for kirk ferentz i guess it's worked it worked last year for sure we'll see if it works again this year yeah and then the last team i'm going to throw in is illinois i know you love your illinois i have a weird affinity for <laughs> illinois this year um i think much of it stems from the fact that they have a supremely underrated defense mm. um i think ryan walters is their dc he's definitely going to be in line to be elevated to a um head roll pretty soon uh but yeah, they. I was I was pretty shocked that they lost to Indiana. Yeah, that was one of the, that was one of the bigger like surprises for me. Week week zero, like, was it week zero? Yeah. Uh, week week one, week one. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, they lost to Indiana. Um. It was on the road, and they've looked really good in their other mm. two games. Yeah. Humbling Wyoming, who beat Air Force. Um. 
and then pummeling Virginia. Virginia also. That was a really good win. That that win impressed me, and that's why I've got them at ten here in Indiana, who they who who they lost to at twelve. I just feel like Illinois' body of work outside of that first game has been more impressive, and I would agree with you there. If you know. I, I liked Illinois coming into the year. I didn't I didn't love them by any means as much as you did. Um, but I definitely think they have the potential to make some noise at bare minimum. Um, you know, Indiana's 3-0, but, you know, they just squeaked by Western Kentucky this week. I think Illinois, even though they have that loss to Indiana, is still the better team. They do have that Big Ten loss already, which is unfortunate. Same with Purdue. So, mm-hmm. We'll have to see as the as the whole field shakes out here. That's why I'm super excited to get into this Big Ten. You know, we've kind of been looking at comparing apples to oranges here so far. Now we actually get to see these guys um, compete with each other. You mentioned Penn State, and I and I I had Penn State pretty low in my preseason rankings, and it, I've, it's kind of they've they've risen every single week. It's kind of um, you know bitten me there. I just it it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I think. You know, Nicholas Singleton, the freshman running back, he has been incredible. And, yeah, and he didn't he didn't they didn't even use him week one against Purdue. Um, and then all of a sudden, just out of nowhere, just crushing. He had 179 yards in week two and 124 in uh, week three against Auburn. If they can rely on that run game. I mean, the, the, the sky is the limit there because um, they will need that to compete with what they will assume. I mean, they're going to assume they're going to be competing with Michigan and Ohio State in that uh, Big Ten East there. Yeah, um, I was also um, definitely a lot lower on Penn State entering the year. I think I actually don't think they started out ranked in the AP poll. Um, yeah, I'd have to go back and look, but I don't think but, so. I don't think they. I mean, they really didn't re- receive much national hype at all. Yeah, um, but they kind of they've kind of slowly flooded up the rankings since then. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're 14th now. A little. It took me until this past week to finally put them in the rankings. Um, I've got them 17 now, mm-hmm. but um, that that win at Auburn was pretty impressive, regardless yeah. of how good I mean, it was. Auburn is. Yeah, uh, um, they forced four turnovers in that game, which is crazy against a, usually, you know, SEC teams are more disciplined than, you know, it's the it's the greatest conference on the in the country, but. Yeah. Regardless of means what, more. what, regardless of what kind of conference it is, what kind of team, it's still an SEC team, and they and they dominated in forty-one twelve this last week, and that's a that's a really impressive win for Penn State. Um, they obviously already have an impressive win over Purdue, in my opinion. I think that win was was nice. What what do you think about Sean Clifford? Because I know he's a very divisive quarterback. Don't love him by any means, but you know, so far, I guess he's been able to get the job done. Yeah. So my opinion of him has changed in the sense of i guess more so his efficacy rather than mm-hmm. his actual level of play um in the last couple of weeks and that's because they've developed the run game um you see he was kind of he had some flashes of brilliance but kind of more so um more so mediocrity in that opener mm-hmm. against purdue um and you've seen in recent weeks as nick singleton has developed more and gotten um, comfortable enough to rush for 150 yards a game, three games in his college career. You've seen it take a lot of the burden off Clifford's shoulders, and he's seems to have played a lot freer. Um, they've interestingly put him in the run game more, but more notably, he hasn't had 
any picks in the last two games and not really any near picks as I think he had a couple more against Purdue that probably mm-hmm. should have been picked. Yeah. Um, so kind of where I stand on that now is I was definitely open to the idea of that five-star freshman Drew Aller getting some getting some looks after that first game. And um, the way it's looking now, Clifford doesn't have as high of an upside, but you might as well rock with him if the mm-hmm. defense and run game are as solid as they've turned out to be. Definitely. Um, before we move on, I kind of want to touch on these bottom two teams that I have here. Northwestern and Nebraska, 13 and 14. Um, that week zero match in Ireland, a lot of hype around it. It was a cool matchup to watch. Coming away, we felt like, you know, Nebraska had, you know, underperformed. Northwestern had overperformed. Now we're four, we're, you know, we're four weeks removed from that game. And it, and it kind of just looks like Northwestern was the better of two bad teams here. You know, that win, it just, it, you know, the running backs for Northwestern looked so strong. Holinsky looked like he had improved a lot from last year. And so, I mean, I think me and you both felt like, they're just going to be a better team. You know, they're going to have one of those up years again. Since then, not the case. Um, they've lost to Duke and then and then uh, Southern Illinois, like you said. What, what's your takeaway from the last few weeks for Northwestern? Uh, not good. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I think after that game, we had talked and we we're like, all right, this is, this is an even year for Northwestern. Mm-hmm. You know, that phenomenon where they went to the Big Ten title game and was it 2018 and 2020? Um, and I don't think either of us still thought that was going to happen after right. the opener, but definitely could have seen like seven and five or something solid. Mm-hmm. So, um, especially in a in a in a weak Big Ten West, yeah, this is what we've seen this year. I mean, they still lead it. They so. still lead the big. I mean, they turn around this week and they have a shot to the championship game. But I don't think that you're going to be able to turn it around after those kind of losses. Um, the first FCS victory over. Group Jeez. of five team this year, not not the not the team you want to do that. Nebraska almost did that, but um, turned it around in the second half. And then that brings us to Nebraska sitting at you know fourteen. It just feels like they have the talent to be better than the worst team in the Big Ten. But that one and three record, a loss to Georgia Southern, a not a dominating performance against an FCS foe, and then a blowout against Oklahoma. Kind of just there's nowhere else to put them. They have to be at the bottom here. They have the talent. It has not. It has not worked out so far this season. Far from it. Um, yeah, we're gonna. Are we? Are we jumping in right now? Because we have a lot of Nebraska talk. Yeah, Let, let's um, jump into that. Um, whether it's whether it's gonna be pretty or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you have them fourteen. I believe you had them fourteenth last week as well. Yep. Um, I think the Oklahoma loss honestly didn't change too much for mm-hmm. me at least. I think that the loss of Georgia Southern kind of showed us where this team is at and. To expect to beat Oklahoma a week later is kind of absurd, and I know a lot of Nebraska fans felt that way because of the coaching change. I don't think we can put too much on that loss. Um, it was a long week. It was a tough week bringing in an interim coach against what looks like to be a playoff contender at this point. Yeah, um, Oklahoma honestly impressed me in that game. Um, so Very much so, yeah. Their their stock's definitely risen for me. Um, didn't. Didn't value them that highly. Mm-hmm. I had them ranked like 20th preseason just because, I mean, this team, people forget, went underwent a lot of change. Right. Um, a lot. I mean. Lost their top receiver, their quarterback, their coach to Oklahoma. Very similar to, to what Nebraska went through over the offseason. It's obviously worked out a little bit better for them. But Yeah. But, but yeah, you're right. Oklahoma looks like Oklahoma gained more from that game than Nebraska lost. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. I would agree. 
Um, so we're going to go through and kind of draft back and forth here our biggest surprises or changes from Nebraska football so far after four games. It's not been the season that any Nebraska fan hoped for. Um, it's definitely been a one full of storylines, to say the least. Um, do you want to start us off? Anything from coaches to players breaking out to any units that you've seen struggling or doing well? Yeah. I'm trying to decide if I should start on, I guess, the biggest surprise or kind of work into that. Um, for me, sorry, I'm, I'm going to take two off the board here. This <laughs> is kind of a, this kind of needs a little background. But yeah. for me, the biggest surprise, or if you would have told me this a month ago, I would have been shocked, is Eric Chinator being fired. Yeah, definitely. Um, Scott Frost firing, didn't expect it to happen this soon. Makes but sense. you saw the writing on the wall after last year. I'd yeah, say. makes sense with the information we have. Didn't think it would happen until October 1st, um, if at all. But mm-hmm. it's it's not a surprise it happened. But yeah, Eric Chinander being fired. Um, this defense has just been absolutely porous, um, particularly against the run. It's going to be interesting to see how they do, as you Definitely. noted, against teams like Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan. It'll be... yeah. But yeah, it's, I guess, both the fact that he got fired after last year Nebraska had their best scoring defense since, I think, 2010. Um, it, was, it wasn't it was an elite unit, but it was pretty darn good. Um, and then, so both the fact that he got fired um, and when it happened uh, right. by the interim coach, Mickey Joseph, and after the, North, or after the Oklahoma game, with Joseph saying he had it predetermined going into that game. Um, yeah. What were your takeaways on that? I, you wrote the piece it, right it was, after fired. It was interesting. I mean, I, I thought he, he would be fired after the Georgia Southern game with Frost because okay. he was kind of the only – he was the only positive takeaway on the coaching staff last season because that defense had kept them in so many – so many great games. Yeah, this is the dude who was being considered exactly for smaller head coaching roles. Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, we saw it happen last year where Nebraska competed with all of these pl- college football playoff contenders. We saw it against Oklahoma and Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State and even against Iowa. Like, you know, the defense kind of held them in these games, even when the offense and special teams would 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 sell them out. So you know, Shenander going into this year, it's like okay. They have the defense. Now they just need to fix the offense. And and we thought that they did in the um, offseason. Then we get to the season and, you know, Nebraska's defense really just looks completely different than last year. Obviously, they lost, you know, four starters to the NFL, I yeah. believe it was, and, and even more that didn't didn't make the draft. So I guess that might not be surprising given the fact that, you know, Nebraska lost so much NFL potential, but for Shenander, it, it, it's a it's a it's a quick fall from you know preseason being you know considered for head coaching jobs, and now who's get, who's going to pick up the guy that that gave up you know 642 yards to Georgia Southern defense has just looked like you said porous this year. Um, so yeah, that was honestly more surprising. The defense's performance, I'll say, has been more surprising to me okay. um, than Frost firing. Um, yeah. Just because of what we saw last year. Um, another the, the thing that's really surprised me um, is the, you know, ascension of Anthony Grant. I think watching Nebraska football last year, there were a lot of guys in that backfield. None of them, you know, it can be argued that none of them got the opportunity to flash. 
None of them got the opportunity to be a workhorse back, but Anthony Grant really, you know, within his first couple carries, it was obvious that he was going to be the bell cow this year. And, you know, he's made the most of it. Oklahoma game playing from behind against a great defense. Obviously, he's not going to put up the same kind of performances, but in the first three games really looked like one of the better Nebraska running backs that, you know, they've had in quite a while. Definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, he had, he set that record for most, something like most rushing yards mm-hmm. in a Nebraska running backs first two games or only a Nebraska running back to hit a hundred yards in the first two games. He hit it in the first, in his first three. Um, how concerned were you by his, 13 carries for only 36 yards against OU. You know, if at all, it's hard to know because I just think every, everybody on the team played poorly in that game. Yeah. So to highlight him, you know, Thompson played poorly. The offensive line played poorly. The defensive played poorly. Um, I'd say the receivers had as good of a game as they could given the circumstances, but um, I wasn't too concerned um, from Nebraska's standpoint, to look at um, to look at Grant as anything less than better than what Nebraska has had in the past um, would would kind of be silly, given how poor the offensive line is. Any any sort of explosiveness from him has been you know a step in the right direction for Nebraska. We'll have to see once they get into Big Ten defenses because you know. If Northwestern can't hold Southern Illinois off the board, then maybe, you know, Anthony Grant just looked good against him and, and an FCS team in North Dakota and Georgia Southern. So once, you know, Indiana rolls around in two weeks, we'll have to see how Grant can play against an actual Big Ten defense. I'm not too concerned against Oklahoma. I think Brent Venables has completely turned that Oklahoma defense around. Yeah, impressive. Um, yeah it, it was – it. Oklahoma's defense just was the better unit, and there's there was nothing really Nebraska could do about that. Do you think he's still on track to hit a thousand yards? I'd say so. I'd say so. Um, the vision I've seen from him, um, you know, the the open field vision that I've seen from him, regardless of how good his offensive line is, he, he has consistently been patient behind the offensive line. Um, and I think that's going to bode well for him going forward into Big Ten play. If he doesn't, it's unfortunate, but I think he's definitely the right guy for the job. Um, and I know we we wanted to talk about A.J. Allen, too, and we can kind of just move into that as a number two back. Obviously out for the year now um, with that injury. Unfortunate for him, but he had been off to a great start, too. So both of those guys, kind of a one and two, um, really had had – Boded well for Nebraska so far this year. Yes, that's what I was going to pick next is um, A.J. Allen um, also ascending into that clear number two role. Um, We were kind of fed before the season um, from the coaches that this was a crazy position battle, Mm -hmm. um, that it was a um, overflow of talent. Uh, I think position coach Brian Applewhite likened it to a um, horse race. and then they came out and we kind of just have seen two backs until yeah. AJ got hurt. Um, so yeah, I, I've been very impressed with how AJ looked. Um, I think Nebraska, I think it was a little bit of hyperbole what the coaches were saying about the running back room. Um, yeah. But I do think Nebraska is 
well set up to um, replace his production to some extent. Yeah, um, I would agree. So going along with that, um, with AJ Allen's emergence, um, one of the top things I'm most surprised by is the lack, pretty much the entire lack of a role for Ramir Johnson. Yeah. yeah, I think the if looking last year and, and kind of you know he was Nebraska's not not number one back necessarily, but definitely flashed the most potential out of the group that they had there. For him to basically have zero role outside of special teams, I'm not sure what his snap count is on the year, but it's certainly not in the double digits. I mean, it, it, it is surprising to say the least there. Yeah, he hasn't gotten a touch. He's I think he had one or two targets. Um, and Frost, um, to his credit, I guess, had said he was stuck between positions. They mm. were kind of moving him to a more of the slot receiver role, um, calling him a wide back. Um but yeah, you would, you would think he'd at least get some touches in either role this year. I mean, this is a dude who his best game came against Michigan last yeah. year. Um, had 67 rush yards and 105 receiving yards, which maybe kind of bodes well for um, him transforming the receiver like they like they intended. But yeah, Definitely. he was he was Nebraska's top back for I think I think he started like seven games, got hurt the last couple. But yeah, definitely, definitely think um, regardless of him transitioning to a new position, he should be getting a few touches. Yeah, game. you know, I wasn't too worried about it because the the offense had looked good up until the point of Oklahoma. But after Frost is gone, Joseph's in there as interim head coach, and the offense is not clicking at all. For him to still not get any touches, it's kind of interesting to me that you have this piece that you know you're say stuck between two positions. He can run the ball. He can, he can catch the ball and it's still not utilize him when your offense has gone completely stale. I thought that was interesting. I don't know if there's some sort of other thing going on in the locker room, um, but we saw Gabe Irvin get in there um, yeah. against Oklahoma. I, I thought maybe at, even at the end of the game, when Joe Purdy was in there, that maybe they'd throw in Ramirez, get him some touches, mm-hmm. trying to solidify this role. They chose not to do that, which I thought was an interesting move. I mean, good for Gabe Irvin finally getting there after, know flashing a little bit of potential before getting injured last year mm-hmm. definitely an interesting situation in that in that running uh running backs room yeah it seemed like they um well something notable from this week's media availability is that mickey named or mickey pretty much um named gabe Irvin the number two back mm-hmm. which you could have foreseen he was i think he had like five carries in the oklahoma game yeah. carried it um seven times and had a good had a good run, um, a few good runs in the second half last week in garbage time. Um, but yeah, he's, uh, Mickey pretty much said, um, we'll be all right. Um, AJ will be fine. And Gabe Irvin's a good back, which pretty much makes it sound like Gabe's number two. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is a dude who was the first, first um, Husker running back to ever start as a true freshman. Didn't show a whole lot last year. Um, Got hurt in game three, to, though, to be fair, and mm-hmm. um, still haven't seen too much of him after all he's gone through. So, um, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting. Yeah, it, it was a confusing situation in the backfield last year. This year, the, the confusion has kind of settled down, but now moving forward without A.J. Allen, it will be interesting to see. Definitely unfortunate that Allen's gone, but you know, if, he, if he chooses to return next year, obviously there's going to be a lot of moving pieces in the offseason the running backs room will be um, set up well with him for the future. I'll talk about another guy that's kind of gone missing this year, and that's Omar Manning. 
Um, you know, there, there was a lot of stuff with him this off season. Um, obviously, you know, diving into his personal story, you know, he, he's been through a lot and there's, you know, you know, he, the, he was injured at the beginning of the year and kind of has never really solidified his role in this offense. But this year, it seems almost as if he's wide receiver four in this offense. And, and I'd say they haven't missed him too much in my opinion, at least. Yeah. It, it has an effect to them. Um, this receiving core is pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole, I think the whole skill position core on offense is Definitely. pretty impressive. Um, despite what they showed against Oklahoma. Um, yeah. He, I would argue he's even further down the totem pole than, um, Number four right now. He's definitely in that second string mm-hmm. line. Um, you got Trey Palmer, obviously. You have Marcus Washington, who I was pretty intrigued about going into this year and um, has definitely exceeded my expectations. I don't know about yours. Um, this is a blue chip guy, to be fair. I mean, four star, but mm-hmm. he's been a pretty clear number two. Um, and and then even guys like you saw IGC, Isaiah Garcia, Castaneda, the first game. Um Got some touches. Uh, Alante Brown's the third starter. Oliver Martin's even got yeah. more touches than Omar, which he's a talented guy. Um, but yeah, it's it's certainly been interesting to see him after he had a pretty solid year last year. Yeah. Big game against Oklahoma fall this far down the pecking order. Definitely. I mean, I, I thought I was of the opinion that coming into this year, you know, Trey Palmer would take some time to get it adjusted with the new offense. Um, and Omar Manning would still be one of those top options but clearly i don't know if it's casey thompson's idea or you know was it frost's idea or just omar didn't really want to step into that role but he's really just not been on the field and and i'd say the passing offense has done quite well without him i think that has been the one of the biggest takeaways from from this year for nebraska despite the one and three record is that that passing offense can look very good we saw it in the first drive against oklahoma it looked dynamic. It looked like a competitive um, team that can win games in the Big Ten. I think the Oklahoma game might be a bit of a red herring just because I don't think you can compare any um, any of that game. I think Oklahoma is just in a stratosphere above Nebraska. So it'll be interesting to see what the passing game can do because up till that point, it had it looked really strong, um, kind of fell off against Oklahoma, but Nebraska's entirety uh, team did. Um, what, what do you, like, what have you been impressed with about Trey Palmer, uh, and Washington with that connection with Casey Thompson so far this year? Yeah, I guess just like how, um, I mean, it kind of took like a game, half a game for Mm -hmm. both of them, but I guess just like how quickly those two guys as transfers have stepped up pretty clearly, I would argue into the top roles. Um, and touching a little more on Omar, I don't think it would have been outlandish um what is it september i don't think it would have been that crazy six months ago to think that omar might be the number one receiver that was my opinion yeah at least number two depending Um, on what palmer did yeah he was the number i think number two receiver number three pass catcher last year um but yeah i mean trey palmer and marcus washington obviously really talented guys i think this kind of speaks more to their ability than omar regressing at all Mm. um and I would go as far as to argue that this receiver's this receiver's room um, has more of an issue of too many too many talented guys, not enough playing time than the running backs room. Yeah, makes sense. I would agree. Um, 
yeah, you got you got all those guys. I think Alante Brown um, hasn't done anything crazy, but I think he's kind of been a pleasant. Yeah, he's surprise. definitely flashed. Um, sure. Washington in the huge game against Georgia Southern. Yeah, and Isaiah Ca- Garcia Castaneda. He, yeah, kind of disappeared after week one. I, I'm not sure. We, I know you mentioned that of kind of had the Wyatt Lure experience. Was it? Yeah, Oliver Martin. Oliver yeah. Martin. Um, yeah, he kind of got stuck in that Oliver Martin role where Oliver had a hundred, right around a hundred yards against Illinois last mm-hmm. year in week zero, and then I don't know, we ended up with probably a hundred or so more yards the rest of the season. Right. Which IGC has gotten a couple more targets, and I mean, to be fair, hasn't caught them since. But you would think he'd get some more looks. Um, right. Given. I was I was impressed in game one how quickly he looked up to speed. Um, I mean, he was at New Mexico State, so right. we didn't know how he was productive there. But so I was impressed how quickly he got up to speed against a Power Five team. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, he was not on anybody's. I mean, he was certainly wasn't on my radar to be, you know, one of these top guys. But in that first game, kind of came out of nowhere. It's like, okay, has this guy had a huge off season that? You know, Frost wants to give him the ball. Thompson loves this guy. But I think Thompson actually mentioned that he hadn't even thrown that route on that touchdown um, to IGC yeah. uh, in the Northwestern game, which I thought was interesting that he kind of just threw it up there for a guy that he really hadn't worked with much. And that was, you know, it was a great catch and stuff. So, yeah, he, he hasn't been around much. Um, I think, you know, you, you definitely said it best when you said that there's more depth at this wide receiver position that has top-level talent than the running backs room, mm-hmm. um, which – I think the running backs room depth might get talked about a little bit more than the wide receiver depth. Um, do you have any other uh, surprising takeaways so far? Um, I mean, I just talked at length about the receivers room, mm-hmm. um, which I'm probably a little, little too infatuated with after yeah. a few years of covering this team. And um, I mean, it was good last year with Samori and um, – I mean, Omar is secondary caveat. Yeah, it's, it's been really impressive. The um, transfers. I mean, these. Yeah. Even Samori was a transfer. Got assimilated. Interesting that Nebraska can bring in transfer talent. Not you're not really scouting it in, in the in the first place, which I think is interesting. Definitely. But it's it's a day of the transfer portal, so I guess yeah, that's how it works. I was gonna say, I'll, so I'll defer to you um, after rambling about those pass catchers. Um, I'll set you up. What do you were you more surprised by? Nebraska losing to, I'll make these individual options. Were mm-hmm. you more surprised by Nebraska losing to Northwestern um, or losing to Georgia Southern after that Northwestern loss um, or by how much they lost to Oklahoma by? Yeah, I think honestly, for me, the most surprising, because the, the first two the first two games were the Scott Frost experience, right? Looks like a dynamic team dynamic offense the defense that had been good just kind of fell apart so while those games were crazy and surprising i was surprised more about how the offense completely failed against oklahoma i i envisioned a shootout where you know big 12 style shootout where oklahoma you know puts up 700 yards but nebraska puts up 500 and keeps it competitive while you know it might be a two three score loss it's still the offense is still moving we saw that in the first couple couple minutes of that game and then all of a sudden that uh you know Clemson Venables defense kind of stepped in and that's something the Big 12 is going to have to watch out for this year definitely because there is not another Big 12 defense that can do things like that uh, maybe Oklahoma State but um uh, that was I think that was the most surprising to me obviously the loss to Northwestern was shocking because 
Northwestern didn't have much potential coming into the year. And I don't think they really, anybody did. And they, and now looking at it, they might not have, you know, this still might be the, the terrible team that we all expected to show up in 2022. Yeah. This, this might be the big Ten's worst team, but there's, there's a scenario a realistic scenario um, where Northwestern is the least talented team in the big 10, but Nebraska ends up as the worst team in the big mm-hmm. 10. Definitely. Um, but yeah. And, and that's what we saw last year where, there were teams that, you know, Nebraska didn't finish last in the Big Ten, but there were definitely teams that um, finished low, finished above them that were less talented then. So I think I think you're definitely spot on there with Nebraska has the talent to be a competitive team in the Big Ten. There are winnable games ahead, Indiana, Rutgers, you know, Illinois. But and most of the Big Ten West games, honestly. Right, exactly. Even Iowa. You know how low I am on Iowa. They're winnable games. When push comes to shove, they might not win any of them, and that might not be a surprise given what we've seen so far. Yeah. Um, so kind of bouncing off that, pivoting from what we've been surprised at so far, um, I guess looking forward to the future now, um, probably is a good time to do it during a bye week. Mm-hmm. What are What do you think are the – I'll give you a chance to pull up the schedule. What do you think are the – I'll go two most pivotal games for Nebraska um, remaining this year. Well, number one, it's got to be Indiana. Um, after a bye week against a, in my opinion, much inferior s- skilled team. They might put it together better than Nebraska, but definitely does not have the skill to compete with Nebraska in, if everything goes right. It's a night game, home game at Lincoln, homecoming game. We saw this last year against Northwestern where Nebraska blew the blew the doors off them, and that was really their only good win of the season. So I think Indiana is a must win for Nebraska if they hope to compete. I think that's the honestly, I think that's the easiest game left on their schedule. And if they can't win that one, given the circumstances, off a of bye week with a you know assumably large, loud crowd, I don't know that there are going to be any winnable games going forward. And then I would I would also just say. Iowa, because okay. I think this is one of Iowa's most vulnerable teams. It comes in the last week of the season. And, you know, if Nebraska has three wins at the time, there is time for moral victories. If you can beat Iowa in a, you know, three and nine year, you still beat Iowa and it hasn't happened much. It almost happened last year. And I think it should have happened it, last year. It should have happened last year. And they, played. It, and they fumbled it away, um, kind of choked there. But if that happens this year, I think I was an even worse team than they were last year. Definitely. Because um, at this point, Iowa was the number two team in the nation last year. Um, yeah, forget about they, that. They, they were considering themselves, you know, a national contender. And, and I honestly, you know, thought they were too at the, at the time. Now, I don't think anyone would look at this Iowa team and say they're any sort of contender, not even in the Big Ten. So the regression by season's end may, you know, that should be a competitive game for Nebraska, regardless of how bad Nebraska is. Those would be the two most pivotal. Um, I'm just going to say it now. I think Purdue, Minnesota, Michigan, Wisconsin will all be pretty big losses. I I think those okay. offenses are just too too strong. to. Nebraska's defense is going to have an issue unless Joseph manages to fix something quickly. Nebraska's defense is just going to have too much of an issue stopping, you know, Aiden O'Connell, who's going to throw for 500 yards on them, and Michigan, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, who's – could run for very well run for 350 yards on them. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. I'll go. I'll go first um, at Rutgers. Okay. I think that's a massive one. Um, Another and, night game. It's interesting that Nebraska is yeah. getting all these uh, primetime matchups. Yeah, um, that's that'll be an interesting one. I think Rutgers is the better team than Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they did start well last year as well and really tapered off. But I think I think this is a competent Rutgers team. Mm-hmm. Um, really good run attack. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I don't. They didn't. They didn't taper off too much. I think they're five and seven last year. But yeah. um, either way, this is a team that's probably been better in Nebraska the mm-hmm. last eighteen months or so. Um, I don't know. That's that's debatable. But which is crazy to say. I mean, Rutgers has been the laughing stock of the Big Ten for quite some while. But yeah, definitely. Greg um, Shannon's put him in a position to at least compete. Yeah, it looks like ESPN FPI gives Rutgers a sixty three percent chance to win this game right now. That seems about right. Um, it'll be a Friday night game, be mm. kind of a weird yeah. October Friday night game. Um, and it's a I, quick turnaround for Nebraska. Yeah. They'll, they'll be, they'll be coming off that bye week. Um, well rested in Indiana and then hopefully still, hopefully for them still have, um, quite a bit of energy going to that next weekend's Rutgers. But, um, I don't think it's really too much of a hot take to say Rutgers, this Rutgers game is going to be a lot more challenging than indiana game for sure um at least in terms of opponents rather than nebraska against nebraska mm-hmm. which is what mickey joseph is stressing this week right um the second game i agree with you that i'm not too high in nebraska's chances against um wisconsin or michigan or especially minnesota um more so than wisconsin honestly mm-hmm. Um, I think we kind of need to backtrack expectations. Uh, those are games where Nebraska, yes, can compete athletically. Um, they're top 25 and what is it? Talent roster, mm-hmm. talent on the roster in terms of initial recruiting rankings. They're like fourth in the big 10, but just, we haven't seen it in five plus years. Yeah. So I'm going to say, um, Illinois home game. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that. That's still a pretty winnable game. Um, Illinois, I'm relatively confident, is the better team thus far. And I also think that Illinois, maybe I'm just too high on Illinois, <laughs> but I think Illinois is improved from last year when they were a surprising 5-7, and seven, beat yeah. Nebraska, beat Penn State in that 9-over-10 mm, game. Yes, that was a um, classic. Yeah, so, so basically to ramble on about what we both kind of said, um, don't love Nebraska's odds against Minnesota. Um, so I guess Illinois is kind of going to be the pivotal home game yeah. that'll really tell us the true metal of this team um, beyond the Indiana game. Yeah, I would agree. That's probably, in my opinion, the last winnable home game of the season. Um, I think Nebraska, once again, more talented, hasn't been able to put it together. Was way, was more talented last year and wasn't able to put it together. So, I think the the moving forward, the biggest storyline is going to be how is Mickey Joseph going to step into that role. Um, I'll give him a break against Oklahoma because of the situation, because of a great team coming into town, because of six days to prepare. Moving forward, Indiana, Rutgers, Nebraska is more talented than both of those teams, in my opinion. It'll be seen if the coaching staff can put it together. Because the coaching staff is completely different than last year at this point. Very much so. Um, 
you have anything else you want to touch on before we finish up here? Uh, not in particular. Um, kind of want to just reflect on, yeah, I, I agree this Indiana game, um, that was the right pick. This is the most pivotal game of the season because it will tell us, I think this will tell us more than any other game not to come to short-term conclusions, but I mm-hmm. think it'll tell us what this Nebraska team is going to be for the rest of this season Absolutely. under this new leadership. And maybe we're wrong. And cause this team has the talent to compete with a lot of these teams. So maybe they can finally flip some of these results. And although they're worse than I can, we can say pretty comfortably they're worse than Minnesota, Purdue, mm-hmm. um, Wisconsin, maybe cause they have the talent to play with these teams. Yeah, maybe they, they did can last flip year. one of these results. They did last year and, and, could have easily flipped any of those results. Yeah. Last year. So I, th- I think we'll see against Indiana um, whether they're capable of that. But I think the safe assumption would be against these top tier Big Ten West teams. Probably not. Yeah. Um, I would agree. Last question I have for you. Mm-hmm. Would you be more, if you were in Nebraska, would you feel, would you feel better about a three point win against Indiana finally getting that close win that, um, you haven't seen since what late 2020 that pandemic season mm-hmm. would you feel better about that or would you feel better about like a comfortable 17 point win i think against indiana it's got to be a comfortable win i think okay. that for the fan base as a fan if they expect a victory it needs to be against a big 10 team and it needs to be and that was why the northwestern game was you know, such a big deal for Nebraska last year is because they yeah. just absolutely bolt raced a Big Ten team. doesn't matter how good the team you're facing off against. If it's a Big Ten opponent, it's a stronger win. You beat North Dakota 37, 38 to 17 all you want. If you beat Indiana 38 to 17, regardless of how good Indiana is, still a strong Big Ten win yeah, under so. the lights for the fan base. And that's what they need to kind of rejuvenate this roster right now. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk. We'll probably touch on this a little yeah. more next week, but we're both pretty out on Indiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regardless of them, despite them being three and zero, which is the biggest, honestly, one of the biggest surprises of yeah. the Big Ten. We should include that in our um, um, surprise segment. Yeah. But yeah. They, but they beat Western Kentucky by three points. I'm not. The, that's the not way, an impressive win for the me. way they've done it. Hasn't really no, inspired. Confidence. Not at all. Not at all. Um, that's all I've got. Unless you got anything else. Yeah. No. Um, I think it was. Uh, I think we pretty much hit on everything we wanted this first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, excited to get this pod back up and running for the year, Absolutely. and um, kind of dive into some more Husker coverage and um, some other sports in yeah. the near future. Absolutely, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening.